You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to a Family Feud quick take, a new segment where we're having quick reactions, a quicker pod when news breaks. And news did break today. Elijah Vera Tucker announced that he's opting out of an upcoming season and declaring for the 2021 NFL Draft. I have Chris Trevino and Shotgun Spratling here to break down the news. Guys, I guess your initial reactions, were you expecting AVT to become the second Trojan to make this decision? Thanks for having me on the quick take. Sorry I missed last week. But my thoughts here, yeah, I mean, I think we were kind of expecting AVT, at least I was. I didn't think it was going to be guaranteed, but I kind of felt like you know, we could have stayed a little bit longer, only had the one year of film. Um, you know, and just first off, congrats to him and his family. Big step, moving on, NFL, great kid, always great to talk to. Um, but this is bad. This is bad for USC's offensive line. Just not only are they losing, you know, one of their most experienced players, they're losing their their best player. So basically they're losing, you know, back-to-back high-end draft picks in Austin Jackson and... ABT, who was, you know, going to fill those shoes at left tackle. If I'm Keenan Slovis, I'm not going to be able to sleep at night for for weeks. (laughs) Usually I'm the one that just jumps ahead and answers all the questions at at the very beginning instead of instead of waiting until we until Keely asks them. But Chris (laughs) gets gets the uh, award this time. Um, My first first reaction is that, no, I didn't expect him to be the second one to go. Um, You know, there are some other guys that, you know, you figured are more likely to go. And just like Chris said, there were some questions on, you know, if he came back, what could it do for his stock? So that's why you, you didn't know which way he may lean on this, but you're not surprised by it when, when you do hear the news that comes out. And, and I think this is the case with all the guys that really got the grades last year from the NFL draft advisory board. You know, you kind of feel like all those guys, They've already, you know, they've gotten uh, some advice on this. They've found out where the NFL kind of sees them at, what they need to work on. So what is there left for them to prove necessarily? Maybe there's certain things the NFL draft advisory board said, hey, we'd like to see this. And maybe that's something they wanted to showcase. But now with, with the, the just the unknowns of this season, you know, those are the guys you're looking for to, to potentially make that move and opt out. And that's what we've seen already with Jay Tefele. Now Elijah Vera Tucker becomes the second of those guys to do that. You mentioned his draft evaluation. Now, he only started 13 games as a Trojan. He was a backup in 2018, which here on the Family Feud podcast, we advocated for an AVT start for him to get more playing time. I guess we'll get into that in a little bit. But he only has 13 starts under his belt at left guard. What do you think his draft stock looks like right now, given that he didn't get to play that that next season that he wanted to? Yeah, I've looked at a bunch of – I've been doing a bunch of mocks – over this, uh, writing up a bunch of mocks that we've seen. And, you know, it's interesting. It should tell you how good uh, ABT was in that one year of starting. Just just for him to be considered, you know, at worst, a third-round pick, and at the best, probably in that early second, maybe late second-round draft pick, draft, uh, draft range. So, yeah, he, prob- he probably should have been starting much earlier in his USC career. One of my favorite quotes from all these uh, draft analysis that I read was, when watching Vera Tucker's 2019 tape, one question was at the forefront of my mind the entire time. How the hell was this guy not starting his first two years at USC? And that's from uh, Mike Renner at 
profootballfocus.com. But the things that are positive about ABT in this draft process is that he's got some of the best pass-blocking sets in the country. Um, he's consistent, doesn't give up those pressures, doesn't give up those sacks. Um, he's not considered, you know, one of those athletic freaks that, you know, we hear about on the offensive line. Um, but I thought I think he was going to be able to prove a little bit of his athleticism when he was playing left tackle this year. But, yeah, I don't know if Shotgun, you want to jump in now with your – you know, looking at at the fact that he's only got 13 starts, you look at some of these other players, and now, granted, there's other positions, and, you know, but depending on which position is determines how much experience you really need. But a guy like Joe Burrow, one year starting experience, you know, maybe one and a half, if you want to say, at LSU. Um, you, you know, Kyler Murray didn't have a ton of experience either. A couple of guys that were, you know, the last two for number one overall picks. So, you know, I, I think that – it's become less and less important to have that experience as it is to just have that potential in the NFL. And I think it's kind of what you see in you know all sports now. It's more about the potential versus, ah, we need to make sure it's a sure thing. Uh, teams are being much more proactive going out and searching out for what they're looking for and specific skill sets and what they can do with it rather than saying, okay, I know this guy produces. This is what we've seen on tape. Because you've seen – so many times in the NFL draft history, you know, uh, throughout, you know, throughout the NFL draft history of guys that great performers in college, this guy's a surefire lock. You hear Mel Kuyper and, and Tommy Shea talking about him. And then they just, they just don't do anything in the pros. So, you know, I think that it's not necessarily, I think it's more about potential nowadays instead of production. So looking at what he's done on the interior in his 13 starts, and then also a little bit of the tape that he had uh, from two years ago. You know, looking at that is what teams are going to to, to take away from it and, and then try to, you know, picture where he could be at once he gets in the NFL and is on that, that NFL weight program and everything else. Now, as Chris jumped into immediately off the back, this is obviously <laughs> a huge loss for USC. ABT was kind of the guy who made uh, what, what the 2020 starting five would look like kind of okay. He was the, the, the linchpin of like, okay, well, they have ABT at left tackle. Maybe they can figure everything out. What does this mean now going forward? Because USC's offensive line depth, just given the past recruiting cycles, is not the greatest. They don't have a full well they can really uh, jump into to, to fill these spots. I mean, where does USC go next? I'll start and say my first reaction to this, rather than you know talking about whether we were surprised or not, was womp, womp, womp for the USC offensive line because this is a huge hit for them. Uh, be, be, you know, you're losing the guy you thought was going to be the left tackle. That was the big question mark coming into the spring. What are they going to do at left tackle? You know, we see one practice and say, okay, we're going to try ABT there first. You say, okay, that's a that's a kind of a daring move to move your best guy outside and you know to to create another moving part on the offensive line. But you felt more rest assured with that than just putting someone else someone else out there and, and just being fresh out there. Now you're going to be doing both of those. You got to replace ABT at left guard, and now you got to find someone to replace Austin Jackson at left tackle. So you're losing that left side, which was the power side for USC, which was their their strength last year. Uh, you're losing that. Plus, you got Drew Richmond's spot on the other side, the other tackle. So you now you truly have two tackle spots open again, and now you're losing that left guard spot that ABT was so good at last year. It's a double whammy for USC this week in terms of O line, also losing out on their top. Offensive tackle prospect Kingsley. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name. Suamaatia. Thank you. 
We could just dub Close that as my that. voice Close later. We, we can get that later. <laughs> so double, you lose out on your big left tackle, future left tackle prospect, and now you lose your left tackle for this season. You know, when we would talk about USC's potential offensive line for this year, it kind of felt like a, a weird pickup basketball team that you see on the court. <laughs> Because you're like, okay, I don't know about these four guys, but that guy's really good. That guy's got all-American potential, which was ABT. Now that you take him out, I don't really know what this this unit can accomplish. I'm not really intimidated by this unit looking at them across the play. Um, but there's a lot of answers, a lot of headaches that have to be filled. I'm going to throw out this. I think this helps our boy, Shotgun, me and you, the, the Liam Jimmins train, to finally get him at tackle. I think this this if you're gonna go with it, just go with it. Just put Liam Jimmins at left tackle, solidify Justin Dietrich at one of those guard spots, and then you figure out that other guard spot. Andrew Voorhees, if he's healthy. I'm just throwing out my my early theory right now. I think that helps. You and me have been big on him and possibly at left tackle. Now you got nothing to lose. This is exactly what I was going to say, Chris. I think that there is the possibility that they can make this work. And it starts with Liam Jimmins playing left tackle. And that's a big jump for him. It was going to be, I thought that that jump, you know, that I was the one kind of championing that move previously. But I like that move a lot more when you're playing beside AVT and you can lean on him and lean on his experience. You know, if you're needing help picking up something, you know, he's just seen a lot more at that spot. So now no one's played left guard there. Uh, beside him. So now you're going to have two new people there. I still like the idea of Liam Jimmins playing, being the left tackle, but now you got to put a new person beside him. It's just, there's going to be so many moving parts here. You're going to have Brett Nealon in the middle of that line. Who's going to be experienced. And then it's going to be a bunch of question marks because Jalen McKenzie can play right tackle. He's played a little bit of it. Andrew Voorhees can play right guard. He's played a little bit. I mean, he's played a season of it, but that's over a year ago. He's coming off injury, so question mark's still there. So you feel comfortable with Brett Nealon in the, in the middle. He's going to be able to make the calls. I have confidence in there, but some question marks around that. Now, I, I think Liam Jimmins can fill in that left tackle spot. If you want to put Justin Dietrich in one of the guard spots, now I think you have a, a five-man line that can be can be okay. I don't think they're going to be great in any regard. I don't think you feel really confident in that group, but I think they can be okay. Now they can grow and from that, you know, if they, if they continue to grow, then maybe they can become a really good offensive line, especially with what they're going to be asked to do as far as the pass blocking, not do too much there. And maybe you start seeing some other guys step up, but right now you don't have confidence beyond those five guys. And like we just talked about, there's only one of them that's played the position consistently last season that he's going to be at. So it, it's it's really you know it's really troublesome for USC to not have AVT. That's why I think it's a huge hit for them. But there is a sliver of light at the end of the tunnel if they can get things to work out. So that scenario shotgun relies on one Andrew Voorhees being healthy, which mm-hmm. at the start of spring we didn't fully know. And then that also relies on playing D-Ditch at that guard spot. And so that, so that's mm-hmm. something that you would have to do, right? Because who else do you really – D-Ditch would be your next – he's kind of your sixth man in that sense. Not anymore, so, I guess. So going in, those were the – there was – along with AVT, those were the six guys that we had confidence in that they would be in the mix for the starting lineup. 
Now, there's there could be a couple guys that could step up, and a couple guys need to step up if this line's going to be good because you need to have a little bit of depth. We always talk about it. There's always offensive line injuries, and especially in a short season, if you've watched the NBA, if you've watched NHL, if you've watched the MLB, when the, the clock is thrown off and the schedule's thrown off and the schedule's different, you see more injuries. You've seen a lot in the MLB, but you've seen it in the other sports as well. And I think you're going to have injuries to the offense line. Someone gets rolled up on whatever it may be. Those are normal, but you may also have some, you know, some soft tissue injuries and stuff. So you're going to need some guys to step up. That's talking about Frank Martin. Frank Martin is a left tackle prospect. He, you know, he was backing up there. He played some tackle last year, backing up uh, spots. J- Jason Rodriguez. Left tackle prospect. You know, he he played that spot when they went to the, the garbage time when those second and third string guys got in. He was a guy at left tackle. Frank Martin was on the right side. Those two guys are the first two I look at that need to step up. There's a couple other guys that could be in the mix there too. Liam Douglas is a guy, you know, that continues to take strides in his game. You know, he was a a, a, pros, a project prospect coming out of high school. Now it's you're, you're basically three and a half years in. Now it's time to, to get going. You know, it's a chart contributing. So, and then if we ever see a Bernard Shermer sighting, you know, if you can get him to to step in and make some plays, you know, he's an older guy, a veteran guy. He should be a guy that should be in that competition as well, though we haven't really seen him, you know, make a mark at all at USC. Rodriguez is one of the more interesting uh, names we can throw out there right now, just with all that we know. You know, the last high-profile offensive lineman USC signed, you know, redshirted last year, got a little bit of playing time, I believe, on special teams and kind of garbage time. Uh, big kid, six foot six, three hundred plus pounds, has some athleticism. Uh, former All American, all the good stuff you want to see on paper when you put him out there. You know, if he, they don't think he's ready, I think there's a scenario ready to be the left tackle. I think there's a scenario where you put you could put him at right if he if he's developed enough, and maybe you can kick Jalen McKenzie inside and keep Liam at that left tackle spot. I think there's a lot of playing to do if Rodriguez is ready. Um, Would they put him inside? I'm not sure about that. I think they like him at one of the tackle spots, probably primarily right tackle. Um, But I don't also want to discount uh, maybe some of the freshmen being able to contribute right away, specifically maybe a a Jonah Monheim. Uh, I know he's starting out at right. They want to put him at tackle first, but you know, we, we loved him when he was playing interior I know Keeley, you went to all those games, got to see him boss some people around. Um, I know the big name people are going to throw out there is now Cortland Ford, the big Texas uh, offensive tackle. You know, people think he's a little bit underrated. Um, Looks really good when you watch him on tape and all the stuff he's posting up. And these kids are going to have a little bit more time to get adjusted with the delayed season. And maybe, you know, they could be ready to contribute a little bit earlier than a typical true freshman. Yeah, I was going to let you touch on that, Chris, because I, I knew I was going to take the veteran guys, let you add the freshmen. Sure, that's but, fine. But, that's fine. But definitely, I, I think that you're looking at some of those guys who is going to step up. And I think it's both classes, both the freshmen and the, the veteran guys. Someone has to do it. Like I said, you got five guys. You feel like, OK, we were confident those guys could play, you know, whether, whether at different positions. Now, who is going to step up and become at least that next three guys? You need to have eight guys. You know that you can be they can be rotational guys. So three people at least need to step up. Uh, so we'll see where it goes at once. And the problem is, you know, you look at like an Ohio State and they're sitting out. They're practicing in pads. It, this is 
this is the position that you need to be practicing in pads to be going at it one-on-ones at least. So even if you're not able to get the full team experience, but at least be able to get some one-on-one stuff going on. So that's it. It makes it that much more difficult for me to see one of those younger guys just jump up when they're not getting that time, you know, because it would be great if you could, you know, have Drake Jackson going against Cortland Ford. You're going to learn a lot then. You know, if you're going against Marlon Tuipolotu and those guys, you're going to learn a lot facing off against those guys and those those practice reps. But you're just not getting those right now in, in pads, and it's so much. It's so different. We see it all the time at the opening and different uh, and different uh, camp settings that it's just not the same when you don't have the pads on versus when you do when you're doing t-shirts and, and shorts. Yeah, I was about to say, besides maybe the defense as a whole, USC's offensive line is just the position group hurt the most by one, missing spring camp, and two, now having really no fall camp, if you will. This is, like you said, a position group that needs to establish that chemistry. And like the way it's been talked about is it's you're talking about four, maybe six weeks to get going if a season's going to happen. That's like you're installing, you're getting things ready. You're trying to get your dot your I's and cross your T's. You're not having a fall camp kind of acclimation period where you're getting used to things. So I feel like it doesn't lend itself. Uh, it doesn't give the freshmen an, an upper hand per se. You're going to have to lean on those guys where you know that they've had at least college reps before. Yeah, I definitely think that the veterans have an advantage here. Now, the one advantage I think that the the young guys get, and, and like Chris talked about, that they just have that extra time to get used to college and everything, but also just the, the nutrition part of it. You know, some of these guys that are coming in that, you know, you, you know, Austin Jackson, when he when I saw him in high school, was 260 pounds. Now, by the time he was playing his freshman year, he was 305. Now, he put on 25 or so after he got to USC, and it took him a little bit of time to get used to the weight. But some of these guys are going to be doing the same thing. You're going to see some slim downs, some some bulk ups uh, from the Jonah Monheims, from the Cortland Fords, Andres DeWork, Caden Steffen. You know, those guys, maybe there's somebody in that group that's going to surprise us. Casey Collier, you know, Andrew Milik, that that whole freshman group. Someone's going to surprise us when we when we first see them because it's been so long since we've actually got to see them in person. When we do, we're going to like, whoa, that guy looks completely different. And he looks like he's ready to be, you know, to play from day one. Now then comes the technique portion of it and comes all the other things. And that's why Jason Rodriguez came in with a size and he's a guy we're looking at. He needed the technique. And after a year, is he ready now to take that step forward and be able to be a contributor? That's going to be a big question. So a quick little thought experiment before we wrap this pod up. Place yourself. You're now Tim Drevno. <laughs> what are you thinking right now? What are your next steps? How do you approach this going forward? If I'm Tim Drevno, I already was assuming this is going to happen. So I've already been playing this out. I've already been having nightmares for for a good three or four months now. So I've already been working this out in my head. Okay, who's going to go where? What are we going to do? So there should be a plan in place already. So I I don't think that Tim Drevno is going to just have an awful night of sleep tonight. I I think he's already been having some some bad nights going, oh, what do I do now? What do I do without AVT? And you're hoping that you get Andrew Voorhees healthy. Because like we said, that we have five guys that we're confident in. If he's not healthy, and that's a big question mark still, then you're going you're gonna to need one of those guys to step up that we talked about, and who's going to be ready for that? I don't know if you know that yet. If I'm Drevno, I'm going to my liquor cabinet, and I'm finding my finest scotch, and I'm pouring a double. <laughs> and then I'm going to take the night off to recover. 
But when I wake up, I'm getting at it. And yeah, I mean, shotgun pretty much hit on everything, you know, I would do with Drebno. But for me, I would be going to Liam Jimmins and getting him in the mindset that he could be the left tackle for the future. He's got the athleticism, doesn't have the experience, but like Shotgun was talking about earlier, it's all about potential right now. And I think he has it. Did a lot of growing when he moved over from defensive line to offensive line in that one spring. So I think he's got he's got what it takes to be that guy for for you for USC. So if I'm Drevno, I'm I'm getting him pumped up. I'm talking to Brett. I'm saying you got to be even more of a leader now to get those guys uh, going around you. So those are the kind of the first calls I'm making. I think also you you mentioned it earlier, but how bad the not succeeding in the recruiting class with offense tackles, because there's still a possibility that. You know, Kingsley Suamatia would have been eligible to play if it's a spring season. And so then you feel like, okay, well, ABT left. Well, we think this guy's a, you know, is step in from day one and can contribute. Um, You're losing him, that hurts you even more. If you could have got a guy like Tristan Lee from across the country, who USC was in his top five, has now been eliminated. But a guy like that, he could have contributed from day one. And it's not just that USC missed out on this recruiting class. This is the fourth straight year where USC has not got their top offensive line targets. Run down a list. I know you know it. <laughs> it's it's a it's a who's who uh, <laughs> of some offensive linemen across the country. I mean, Penny Sewell and Jackson Carmen. Uh, Penny Sewell just is the number one lineman in the country is going in the draft. Jackson Carmen is going to be the starting left tackle at Clemson. That was that was the two guys they were in the mix for. Thought they had a chance on, couldn't pull it off at the end. Then you have Sean Ryan and Jonah Tawanau, you know, missing out on those guys. Last year, you lose guys like Miles Miles Morale um, from Modern Day, and then now this year, you know, there's there's no one with a the only four star player left on the board, an offensive tackle that is still considering USC. So looking at guys that have committed, looking at guys that have cut down their list to a certain amount, there's only one player left. That's Josh Simmons. He's the only four star offensive lineman left. And he wants to play defensive line. So there's literally no other four-star lineman that, that you know, and you you don't think any three-star guys are usually going to be plug-and-play guys. Um, so, you know, that it's four straight years that USC has not been able to get their top targets. And, you know, it's it's showing right now with the, how thin this group is going to be and how many question marks there are now that ABT is leaving. I have one more thing to add if I was Tim Drevno. Let me just get back and character for a second i'm also <laughs> sticking one of my interns or viane or somebody and i'm just putting them in front of the damn transfer portal and they're just hitting refresh <laughs> every time because i think now usc was already looking for some transfer portal help before this mm-hmm. i knew that was a big want for them i think it's just like reached another level so i wouldn't be surprised if they try to get somebody in to help either you know obviously a tackle or maybe interior just to have a little bit more depth that's a great point chris you know especially with the guys there's been a lot more movement recently um you know guys that are going into the season they're not seeing their names on the depth chart where they want to be so maybe they decide to to opt out or or to transfer now and be be uh have a chance at a a spring season or guys maybe injured early and think the similar thing at some of the you know the three uh, power five conferences that are 
and then just other guys that are that are looking for a new start or you know just or your normal transfer uh, season that you have. So I think that's a great point, Chris. I think that's somewhere USC should probably be looking heavily, especially because there's not any help left in the 2021 class unless they flip somebody or you know there's some possibilities still. Let's not say that the recruiting class is signed or anything. But it was a huge hit to their their hopes to see Kingsley commit to, to Oregon earlier this week, especially now with AVT. It's just back-to-back days uh, of, um, of, of something. Back-to-back days of hurtful news for the offensive line at USC. And not to get too bleak here, but if you're Keaton Slovis, are you in the same stress category as Tim Drevno because last year's offensive line that had uh, Austin Jackson and it had AVT in it, USC's quarterbacks left the game five times in the 2019 season. And now you have this kind of disjointed line, doesn't have a lot of experience. And now you have JT Daniels, who is over at Georgia. You only have Matt Fink as a backup as it stands right now. Things are dicey where you need this offensive line to kind of get its act, act together in that sense. I think Graham Harrell is probably scared more True. knowing knowing the depth at that quarterback position as well. Um, but one maybe saving grace is that I don't know that there's a ton of elite pass rushers in the Pac-12 this year. Um, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau up at, up at uh, Oregon, you know, when they play Oregon, that's going to be a scary matchup. Um, but you're not playing Oregon State, so you're not facing uh, um, Hamilton up there. And Utah, who's gay, you know, who knocked out Keaton Slovis first play, their entire front is basically gone from last year, and you know all their there's um, the guys that they had are, that are in the NFL now. So I don't think you're quite as concerned about it just on that front. But yeah, the the, the biggest issue is going to be can the can you get five guys that communicate more so than just getting beat around the edge by a Kayvon Thibodeau or something? Are is what happened two years ago when JT Daniels got the crap kicked out of him at Stanford because USC couldn't communicate well enough to pick up on some, some different stunts and blitzes that Stanford did. I mean, yeah, I mean, shotgun pretty much. I don't think, I think you're, yeah, you're a little bit worried if you're Keaton Slovis. I don't think you're going to have trouble sleeping or whatever, but if I'm, I don't, it doesn't seem like his personality to get down. I think he's going to be super positive with these guys. I think, and that's all you can do as the quarterback. You just got to pump these guys up as much as they can. Of course, you're never gonna like downplay your 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 line. That won't go over well. <laughs> I'm just saying, like maybe that, subconsciously. That's our job. That's our job, not his job. <laughs> Apparently. Wait, is it gonna be more sad for him tonight that ABT's gone, or when he hears one of those wide receivers, Amon Ross, St. Brown, or Tyler Vaughn's is gone? I'd be more sad with the O line. I think so too, because it concerns my health. <laughs> I I still got Gary Bryant and Brew McCoy waiting there. I still got Drake Lund. I still got some toys. Some weapons in the arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Any final thoughts, guys, before we wrap up this quick take? I think just like Chris said at the very beginning, congratulations to AVT. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's been a great kid to, to cover the last few years. And from the first time I saw him at Bishop O'Dowd watching a game, he had a daytime game on a Saturday before going back across the way to, to Stanford and him literally blocking a guy out of bounds took him from left his left tackle spot and just took the kid all the way out of bounds and then planted him. So, you know, he, he's been fun to watch there. And that's, you know, he's, he's got a unique background. You know, he's a soccer player growing up, which is why he's got good feet as an offensive lineman. And, you know, I think, 
I will say, if he would have come back and could have shown himself as an offensive tackle, that extra versatility could have definitely boosted that draft stock. So it was a little bit surprising on that fact, just because of what I think he could have gained by showing himself, even if he only played like four games or something, if he decided to play a few games and then shut it down or something, I think he could have showcased some things that would have helped boost his draft stock. Now he's going to have to show that at the combine and some other things uh, going forward. Yeah. Shout out to daytime NorCal games. Those are always the the best. (laughs) Interesting. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't really have much to add to that. I mean, I just remember distinctly watching AVT that his fresh retro freshman year in that spring charting, the O-line, D-line reps, and I'm thinking, hey, this guy's this guy's kind of good. This guy, you know, might get some playing time this year. And I don't know if, how you guys feel about AVT's, like, just ascension to, like, preseason All-American or whatever, but I, it just felt like it came out of nowhere. He was just, like, this guy on the team, and then he was super good. And then, yeah, now he's probably going to be a second-round pick or something. That's obviously because you weren't listening to the Family Feud podcast. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to go back and I'm going to find where we talk about him in like 2018 (laughs) or 17 or something. Because we talked about him. We're we're AVT truthers, Chris. Well, that just proves that the USC coaches don't listen to the podcast. It's probably a good thing that they don't. (laughs) Alrighty. That's going to wrap up the Family Feud quick take. AVT decides to opt out, declares for the NFL draft. Uh, We'll be back with a full blown family feud podcast at some point but the news keeps breaking guys so we'll give you quick takes we'll be back uh, in a short while thanks for listening and we'll see you soon okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.